today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. What Paul is saying here is that our giving will be proportionate to and a demonstration of our authenticity and sincerity of love. Let me say it this way. Show me someone who loves, and I'll show you somebody who gives. Loving equals giving. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of 2 Corinthians. The ultimate gift of love was given to us through the sacrifice of God's Son, Jesus What a great example for us. Giving is an act of love. And as Pastor J.D. explains, it is in direct proportion to the sincerity of our love for others. Giving can be expressed in different forms, so we shouldn't wait until we have an abundance to experience the joy of blessing others through the gift of giving. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with his continuing study, Money and Giving. This brings us to verse 5, where we see that giving is God's will. Here, Paul of the other churches says, they exceeded his expectations, giving themselves, and you need to pay particular attention to this, first to the Lord. They gave first themselves to the Lord, then by the will of God also to them. To me, this speaks very clearly to giving being the will of God, such that it's according to God's word and it's according to God's will for our lives. However, and there is a however here, it's God's will that we give of ourselves first and foremost. I suppose you could say it and see it as a prerequisite to our giving of our time and our treasure and our talent to the Lord. We have to, we must give ourselves first and foremost to the Lord. Story is told of an offering that was being taken during a revival in Africa. And a brand new Christian told the man that was holding the collection plate to put it lower. Lower, 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 he said, until the offering plate was on the ground. Then he stood up and stepped in. This man understood. This brand new believer got it. (laughs) He gave himself. Here am I, Lord. Here am I. Do with me as thou wilt. I think of Job, who would say, Though he slay me, yet will I praise him. I think of Esther. They're fasting, they're praying. She's risking her life going to the king. And she says this to Mordechai, 
If I perish, I perish. So be it. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Lord, do with me as you please. I am not my own. I belong to you. Giving of myself first and foremost. Boy, I tell you, when that's in place, everything falls into place. When we belong to the Lord, we give ourselves to the Lord, everything else falls into place. This is what Jesus said in that well-known verse in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, verse 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And when you do that, then and only then will all of these other things be added unto you. Romans chapter 12 again, this time verses 1 and (laughs) 2. For those of you who were with us when we were going through the book of Romans, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, you might remember I had to go through and teach this two times, and I still didn't feel that I really (laughs) taught well these two verses. They're just so packed, so full, so powerful. Let me read verses 1 and 2, Romans 12. The Apostle Paul, by the Spirit, says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And here's why. This is your true and proper worship. Do not, verse 2, conform to the pattern of this world, carries with it the idea of being kind of pressed into the world's mold. Instead, be transformed, not conformed, but transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. Then, and only then, I'll add, you and I, will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. You know, you hear oftentimes about God's permissible will and then God's perfect will. And I always wonder about God's permissive will. In other words, God is going to permit. It's not his best. It's kind of like, okay, that's that's God's permissive will. I see it way down here. And then in contrast, I see God's perfect will way up here. You're still in God's will, but that's not his perfect will. (laughs) If you're anything like me, and I suspect that in many ways you are, I don't want to be in his perfect will. Permissive? It sounds so much lower than that which God desires for me. He wants for me to be in his perfect will, and that'll never happen unless and until I present myself 
as a living sacrifice. One has well noted that you have a problem with living sacrifices. Listen, dead sacrifice is no problem. The sacrifice is dead. It's not going to fight you. But we got to present our bodies, ourselves, as a living sacrifice. Easier said than done, I guess you could say. Because there's that part of me, innate within me, the sin nature so prevalent and pronounced in me fights at this. The very notion of this, I, I resist it. I fight it. I want my will, not God's will. And until we're broken on that altar as a living sacrifice, we will never taste from the cup of all that God has for us. This brings us to verses 6 and 7, where we see that giving is an act of grace. In verse 6, Paul tells them how they urged Titus, just as he did earlier, to bring also to completion this act of grace. And then verse 7, he says that since they excel in things like faith, speech, and knowledge, that they should also excel in this grace of giving. This is what one has called sanctified sarcasm on the part of the Apostle Paul. It's like he's saying to the Corinthians, you guys boast in how you excel in these things. You excel in faith. You excel in speech. You excel in knowledge. Well, why don't you excel in giving? That's a sanctified shaming of these Corinthian Christians. And again, their unwillingness to give was at their own peril. They, they were robbing themselves of that which God had for them because of their unwillingness to give. It's been said, and I know it's kind of one of those sayings that I know I've shared it many times, but there's a reason I want to share it again. It's not in my notes, but I think it's for someone here today. Here's the saying. It goes like this. If your eyes are on yourself, you're depressed. If your eyes are on others, you're distressed. But if your eyes are on the Lord, you're blessed. Now think about that. If I'm living for myself, and as such not giving of myself, I am to be pitied. What a pitiful person I have become. No wonder. No wonder. You start turning inward, thinking only about yourself, what's in it for me, never giving up. Your, by the way, is that not why you are so blessed 
when you serve and give to others? We just celebrated Thanksgiving. I wish we really celebrated Thanksgiving, but just like we celebrated Black Friday on Thanksgiving, all about getting. But how many of us have tasted from that cup of blessing by serving a meal on Thanksgiving? That's the way, can I say it this way? Of course I can. (laughs) That's the way God wired us, is it not? That's the way God wired us. That's the way God created us. He created us to give. And that's why every year at Christmas, people get so depressed. Because it's not about giving. It's about getting. Those things were never meant to satisfy. They do not satiate that part of us that God created us to be. Some of the most miserable people I know or ever knew I'm talking about on the mainland now, because even before I got into the ministry, when I, I'll tell you, i never forget, um, I spent a lot of years working for Mercedes-Benz, and I had occasion to meet very wealthy people in my career. And I was so blown away, and, and that was really the Lord, I think, ministering to me the truth about the love of money. That's 1 Timothy 6, the most misquoted verse in all the Bible, by the way. Money is not the root of all evil. It's the love of money. Money's neutral. You can use money for good or you can use money for evil. It's not money that's evil. It's the love of money. And Paul says to Timothy that those who have longed after it have pierced themselves through with many a sorrow. That's quite a statement. And that is a true statement. Those that have sought to become wealthy and have money, and Solomon, the wealthiest man who ever lived, said basically this, that those who do obtain that and acquire that, it ends up taking the very life of those who possess it. And this goes back to what we've talked about prior. It's not what you have, it's what has you. Is it okay for Christians to have nice things? Absolutely. Listen, I've seen some of your cars pull up into the parking lot. Nice. (laughs) I used to drive nice cars like that once upon a time. Nothing wrong with it. Have it, don't let it have you. I don't know if you notice this or not, but Paul refers to giving money in terms of grace four times in just the first seven verses of this chapter. Why? Maybe more importantly, the question is how? How is giving to be seen 
as an act of grace. There are several ways that giving is an act of grace, chief of which is that giving is a demonstration of a work of God's grace in us. I love what Alan Redpath says of this. Once you see the matter of giving is centered in this lovely word grace, it lifts the whole act away from mechanics, from pressure and duty, from obligation and mere legalism. It lifts us up into the most lovely atmosphere of an activity which seeks by giving to convey to others all that is lovely, all that is beautiful, all that is good, all that is glorious. What a lovely word this word is. For there is no area in the Christian life in which grace shines out so much so beautifully, so delightfully, and so happily as when giving comes from the background of poverty. This is why, by the way, that it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. I would suggest that it's also much harder oftentimes to receive than it is to give. When you're on the receiving end of a gift, it's humbling, isn't it? Well, this brings us to our last one for today. And this is huge, by the way. It's that giving is a test of our love. In verse 8, Paul says he's not commanding them. But instead, he's testing them. It's a test of sincerity of love by comparing it to the earnestness of others. He's putting them to the test. In verse 9, he uses Jesus himself as the example of, though being rich, for our sake became poor, so that we, through his poverty, might become rich. What is Paul saying here? What Paul is saying here is that our giving will be proportionate to and a demonstration of our authenticity and sincerity of love. Let me say it this way. Show me someone who loves, and I'll show you somebody who gives. Loving equals giving. Is that not true again this time of year? We give to those whom we love. I'm going to close with what is arguably the greatest and grandest example of how giving is because of love. It's the gauge of love or if you prefer, the test of love. And it's the famous, the most famous verse in all the Bible. And it's right there, right out of the chute. 
John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave. Because of his love, he gave. And what did he give? Oh, his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him should not perish in hell for all eternity. And yes, hell is for all eternity. It has to be. If hell isn't for all eternity, then neither is heaven for all eternity. We're all going to spend eternity somewhere. And by the way, there's no such thing as purgatory or limbo or what's the other one? The Catholics have, I don't know. Yeah, purgatory, right? Try to find it. I, I, I tell you, it's not in there. <laughs> it's either heaven or it's hell. It's not God's will that any should perish. It's God's will that all would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and have everlasting life. You know how... Oftentimes people will say, well, how can a loving God send anybody to hell? You know what the answer is? He doesn't. As one said it so perfectly, Jesus went to that cross and was crucified and died and says, if you go to hell, it's over my dead and resurrected body. I did this so you would not, because it is not my will. Why? Because I love you. I love you so much that I became man, fully God, fully man, and I went to your death for you instead of you because I love you and I gave myself for you. That is the most powerful, the most, that's even an understatement, <laughs> the most powerful example of love. Greater love hath no man that he lay his life down for another. That is the love of God, demonstrated in the gift from God. The book of 2 Corinthians has much to teach us, but sadly that's all we have time for in today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Be sure to join us again, though, as Pastor J.D. Farag continues teaching his verse-by-verse -verse study through the book of 2 Corinthians. In the meantime, you can find more messages from Pastor J.D. by visiting our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast as well and receive new messages as soon as they're available. You can also download our mobile app for iPhone and Android, and you'll always have teachings from God's Word right at your fingertips. You'll also want to check out Pastor J.D.'s Aloha Prophecy Update. Each Friday and Saturday, Pastor J.D. shares the current events and how they relate to the end-time prophecies described in the Bible. 
The purpose behind these updates is to take a practical look at the end times and how events occurring around the world coincide with biblical prophecy. Pastor J.D. hopes the information he provides stirs in us an urgency to share the gospel and make sure all have heard the good news of Jesus before he returns to judge the world. There's much to learn each week, and Pastor J.D. does a great job of getting us the information we need. You can find new and previous updates by going to our YouTube channel. Just search the Aloha Prophecy Update on YouTube. We hope today's message has touched your life and left you craving more from the Word of God. Join Pastor J.D. next time for another in-depth look at the book of 2 Corinthians, right here on In Spirit and Truth.